2: The conversation around multicultural marketing has shifted, and it is time brands embrace this change. The days of surface-level demographic targeting are behind us. Today's approach is all about understanding consumer behavior, intersectionality, attitudes, and actions. In today's episode, we have the privilege of delving into the journey of multicultural marketing's evolution with an industry visionary, Jennifer Rivera-Vega. As the head of multicultural at TikTok, Jennifer brings a wealth of experience. With over three years leading this dynamic platform, she has witnessed how the concept of multicultural has reshaped itself profoundly, influencing both brands and consumers. Join us as Jennifer shares her unique insights on how the conversation around multiculturalism has evolved and uncovers the essential elements behind building an authentic, resonant brand.
1: I'm very proud of what you're doing. Smile for 15 seconds out a day and make the world a better place.
2: Welcome to Everything is Better with Creators, brought to you by Whaler. Join us as we dive into the latest trends, news, and strategies shaping the creator economy and learn how it's driving innovation and change. Hey, hey, Jen. Welcome to Everything is Better with Creators. How are you today? Hey, Ashley. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm thrilled. Uh, it's Friday. So you know, what a better way to have like a great podcast with a great guest. And I already know that you're going to be dropping some gems on this episode. And I'm just very, very happy to have you here. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. So does this is, kick this thing off, right? I would love for you to share a little bit in your own words, like what you do and a little bit of your origin story.
0: Yeah, so I head up multicultural at TikTok and the team is still pretty new. It's about one year old. Um, I've been at TikTok for almost three years or actually just over three years. I just passed the mark. Um, And we really saw the need to help creators and brands evolve the conversation around multiculturalism. And this team has come out of that. Uh, In terms of my origin story, I'm Puerto Rican, uh, but uh, raised in Philadelphia, lived in New York most of my life. Spent some time in Austin, been a little bit all over
2: the place. Oh, yes. I I love some Texas fam. I'm from Texas. Always love to hear a little bit of Texas action and someone's, uh, uh, all the different places where they've been in their career, because I think it's such a a fun culture there. But you know what? I can't help but go a little bit off script here, Jen, and and ask you about like the actual term multicultural, because I didn't always hear it so often. So how do you define um, and how do your teams like define multicultural at TikTok? I think
0: multicultural is probably a word that needs a little bit of an evolution, um, because I think originally it was really honed in around demographics and sort of, uh, frankly, kind of a box ticking exercise where brands felt like they make sure that they were speaking to these cohorts. And it it was sort of clinical the way that it was approached. I think the way that we're doing it now is really focused on understanding the way that consumers are behaving and how they feel about a brand, whether they feel seen by a brand. Um, And it's really about intersectionality um, and attitudes and behaviors much more than it is about do I identify as Latina?
2: Oh, I love that. Now that's that's the double click and evolution that we need. And but you know what? Regardless of the term, at least how you all are approaching the work and how you see the work evolving um, is how you know you're you're working behind that lens, which is incredible, absolutely incredible. So how like, let's dive, let's double click into that some more on basically on as the head of multicultural advertising at TikTok. How what do you see actually going on, and how is how are these initiatives growing? And what are you excited about the growth in that in that area?
0: I think the biggest change that I've noticed is everyone agrees that it needs to happen. Everyone agrees that the total market approach is not something that's effective. Um, It's not sufficient, frankly, right? It's not enough to have one person of color in a campaign and say that you're doing multicultural marketing because that
2: frankly doesn't speak to the cohorts the way that we, we owe them, right? Exactly. We, we can see a to- We can see tokenism from a mile away these days, you know? Yeah. And,
0: and so it's really more about the how and how to get it right, how to do it a, a with rather than to right. how to understand that lived in steeped experience of being not just a person of color, but also, like I said, all the other facets that encompass our, our experience. And honestly, that also starts with who you hire. Um, so it's got a lot of
2: legs. Oh, incredible, incredible, incredible. You know, it's funny that you say that because even though I think brands understand that there needs to be a multifaceted approach, I think the the how and who who's behind the how is so important, which makes me thrilled. Like again, when I see more of us you know creator culture queens out there you know trying to really you know forge a forge a path for the creator and also educate brands on how to do it right like i think it's very exciting to see you know more of these teams being formed and seeing the faces behind them they are true they are truly multicultural teams that are leading the charge so i'm i'm really happy to to see again have you on here i'll have you on the podcast and also you know shed light on the importance of having such a, a diverse team that's driving this forward to help tell the stories and clear the path for the creators to do their best work.
0: And I love that you just said how to do it right, because that can be such a paralyzing quandary for brands, right? It's, It's almost better to not touch it, to kind of stay away from it, to have a bit of a tokenism approach rather than really try to connect directly. So a question I get a lot from brands is, Do I have the license to speak about XYZ because I'm such a heritage, mainstream, general market, general population brand? Like I sell sandwiches. What what do I need to be doing with multicultural marketing? But when we look at the way that our country is evolving, 50% of Gen Z considers themselves BIPOC. So if you don't connect with that cohort, frankly, you're going to be left behind. You're going to be irrelevant. Um, so it's not something that you can ignore. And it's something that you absolutely have to get right. And rather than being paralyzed by it, it's it's doing that, that work and having conversations that may push the boundaries internally, and maybe even within yourself, you know, as a human that works within these organizations.
2: Oh, my gosh, I mean, you're hitting so many, like, things that have been on my mind, like, we, we just got back from Cannes. And a lot of the conversation was about discomfort, being in being uncomfortable as a marketer is might be a new KPI on you might be in the right zone. Right. Like you might be asking the right questions or you might have the right team. If you know you're working with someone that is you know, is pushing your boundaries a bit and is has you talking about things that you normally wouldn't, because that means you are going to be expanding. You are going to be expanding the conversation and your reach. And you know what the great news is, as you know. When creators are there it takes the pressure off the brand because now the creator is taking over and you know now you're looking at your brand through their lens and it's no longer you know a potential you know risk factor what have you it just actually adds a more textural um support that you actually need to support your business exactly
0: it's about that idea of authenticity but also realizing that one you're not just marketing to yourself right we we can't exist in these eco chambers and two Absolutely. Creators are that pathway to authenticity. Uh, There's a strategist on on our teams that talks about TikTok as being um, a dinner party. And creators, in essence, offer you that open seat at the cool table or the table that you need to be you need to be sitting in order to engage. Um, And so we really need to view them as consultants um, so that they can help us in in that path.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yes. And you're like tiptoeing, right? This is a perfect segue because I really would love for us to talk more about, you know, brands and the business world diversifying their boardroom and diversifying their teams, because we definitely believe in that way. That's a huge initiative that we're trying to drive forward is, is that. And clearly TikTok has made the right choice when it came to like creating your department and the multicultural division. And so, you know, why should companies? really lean further and trust them on their actual teams and not just for the campaign. I think it all starts
0: with having that lived in experience because only then, like no amount of research is going to tell you what it's like to live in the shoes of someone who is a minority or a majority or any protected class. We all have such individual experiences and in order to truly represent them, we have to go beyond spreadsheets and Mintel data, right? I love Mintel. I love Statista. I love all of it. We love you, data. We love you. But <laughs> <laughs> So it's absolutely about doing that hard work, getting uncomfortable, and leaning in and listening. I think if you come at it from a place of curiosity and humility, then that discomfort kind of sheds away. The discomfort really happens when you come to a conversation thinking that you have the answer. The, the moment you kind of get rid of that hubris and you say like, hey, I know that I don't know, but I'm curious. I want to learn. I also know it's not your job to teach me because we all know as people of color that sometimes that onus is put on us. Show that you've done a little bit of homework and show that you really are, are keen to understand and lean in.
2: I love those rules of engagement, Jen. That's so important because I do feel that way. I do feel like, you know, if you are going to pursue, you know, speaking with and working with teams that are diverse, like understanding the rules of engagement are so important for, you know, your colleagues to show up a certain way for you. And if you have initiatives where you are going to be working either on a more diverse team or you want to talk to a more diverse clientele, you need to be ready um, with, and armed with that type of information. So that is like such, such rich information. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, I wanted to address the other part of your your question about the
0: sort of the inception of this team, right? Because frankly, I think before taking on this role, I was under the guise that we didn't necessarily need to have this conversation anymore. I, I, I think I thought we were in a more evolved place. And I'm just being very honest. And as I sit in more and more of these rooms, I realize that the need is very much still there. Um, and, and it was
2: honestly very, very eye-opening. You know what? I think like that that piece is like, because, you know, like our own longing for wanting there, for us to get past, you know, this moment is is, it's definitely a real thing, but you're right. Like we're still, double clicking into all the nuances, right? Like you could, you know, maybe have a more diverse team, but are you having the types of conversations is the allowance for those cultural la- layers and nuances to actually show up visibly um, for others to recognize and be feel like they're, you know, like a brand is no longer a megaphone. It becomes like a mirror to- of themselves. Like that's when the magic happens and you just can't get there without, you know, having teams like yours. But I do understand like wanting us to like, be like, we're well, we, have we arrived? Is it no longer a thing? So again, but I'm so glad instill that, like that you're, you know, you're driving this team forward. So like, what have you learned? Like, or what's like the most proud moment or the things that make you the most excited um, when you're with your team and things that you see?
1: I
0: think the most exciting thing is when I realize that people are asking the right questions and that they have developed within them the courage to have that genuine curiosity, right? Because This is a moving target. Marketing is always going to be a moving target because it's a reflection of zeitgeist. It's a reflection of behavior, preferences, and our whole collective experience. So if we think about it in a way that it's static, that like, I'm going to get from point A to point B, and then I will, you know have the right answer then then that's not the right approach so it's it's not about the answer so much as it is about uh asking those right questions and putting frameworks in place that hold you accountable um so when i find that brands are asking those types of questions then i feel like my job is well done
2: oh i love it i love that that's a great like kpi for you all and your team i love the idea of holding brands accountable but them also being like yes hold me you know again like it's one thing to hold someone, right? But it's another thing when it's a partnership and you no longer become like just an executional arm. You're now like actual partners and working towards something and you're coaching someone and building a muscle together. And even though it can be hard to do that, you have to break down, right? Break the muscle down to build it back up. Um, I love that brands are here for that rigor and that challenge. It's very exciting to hear.
0: Frankly, yeah, I feel like races and OKRs
2: are (laughs) under leveraged. I love it. I truly, though, truly. And for those who don't know what Eracy and OKR, OK do you mind breaking that down real quick? Just because we have to be a wide audience. I want to make sure everyone knows what what's going on there.
0: Essentially, a RACI is an acronym, responsible, accountable, consulted and informed. And so it's about, especially when I have long term initiatives, right? It's really important to think like who are the folks that are gonna be the champions of this initiative? Who's gonna to need to approve the, these things so that they get to the finish line? And um, how are we gonna break this up into into malleable pieces that are gonna lead us to our objective, right? And then of, of course, objectives and key results um, are, are OKRs. So I think at the end of the day, uh, great intentions are, are, are just that. But if we don't have a system in place, to hold ourselves accountable and and get it through the line,
2: um, then then it that it stays it stays on the cutting room floor. Okay, exactly, exactly. I love it. I love it. Thank you for breaking that down. So, what tips? Like, are there? Do you have any like top tips or things that you found yourself like repeating that have now become like rules of engagement um, with brands who really wanna who may have outdated notions? Like, you may you know like you may be walking into a room where there's some real work that needs to be done. Um, What are some ways that you go about that or like, what are some key rules that you like to put out there?
0: So if a brand is starting from absolute scratch, my best piece of advice is take a hard look at yourself. First, understand how is my brand being perceived in the marketplace? Really be honest with yourself, take a thoughtful approach um, and try to understand how your consumers view you. Like, how do they use your product? What are the things that they're saying about it? Are there off-label uses for your product? And this is an interesting one because sometimes the way that the product was created isn't how the product is received in market. And I'll use Timberland Boots as an example. When you think about hiking and you think about the the reverberations that brand has had on hip-hop culture, like... That's an interesting, oh, I could talk an hour about that, right? <laughs> so,
2: we, need, we need to have a part two on that one, Jen, we do. So
0: how is the brand being seen? Um, it can be very different internally and externally, right? So having those those honest conversations and thinking about how can you tap into those conversations in a way that humanizes the brand and helps consumers feel seen. And then once you have all this information, honestly, like, then, then we get into the races, the OKRs and the tactics, because then you're actually armed with actionable pieces that help you craft your messaging and select the creators that can have these authentic conversations and
2: give you the legs that you need to, to, to really run that race. Oh, my gosh, I love it. Those are some incredible, incredible tips. And I mean, and that's also why we love TikTok in general, because it's such when it comes to researching your brand, like all you have to do is type in your brand name and boy, oh boy, is that, you know, such an informed and like learning experience. Like you just like, you can really see it in full color, what the audience is, how they're using it and what they think of your brand play out. And I love TikTok for that reason.
0: Yeah, we have this and I feel like I'm blue in the face talking about it, but it's called creator marketplace and you don't need any sort of a TikTok account to log into it. But if there's one tool that I would recommend brands use, like this is absolutely it, you can see like, what are the top songs? What are the top hashtags? What are the top creators? And when we talk about intersectionality, this is actually like a rubber meets road way of taking a look at that because you can see how do certain hashtags create correlations between topics. So for instance, we know from research we've done, just desktop research that you could do today, um, that there's an over-index between cosmetics and fitness within certain cohorts. Um, and so this is a very rudimentary data visualization tool where you can see how do hashtags and over in particular interests overlap.
2: I love that. And anyone can access it at any time. I know I always ask like, because, you know, when, because we are badge partners with TikTok, um, Whaler is. And so, you know, sometimes I even get lost in like, what does everyone have access to versus what I have access to? So, but the creator marketplace and that visualization like that, those tools are available to everyone.
0: To everyone. Yeah, it's ads.tiktok.com slash business slash creative center.
2: Whoa! if you didn't write that down, you better get your notepad out right this second and get in there and learn all about all of the things. Because again, like those tools and insights are invaluable. So I'm loving that you're like giving us cheat codes right now. Thank you so much.
0: I mean, it's hard. because There's so much happening on the platform. And it's like you're trying to boil the ocean like every day as a marketer, like you have to be a student of culture. And this is this is a like you said, it's a cheat code
2: for sure, for sure. Um, so, Jennifer, we know, like, again, I heard you mention, let's double click into the the piece of best in class approaches, the one off campaign versus the ambassadorship. Like what should brands know?
0: Yeah. So, like I said earlier, creators, the way that we view them are, are really consultants. Right. So we can't be in every single room at every single dinner party if I'm going to continue to use my colleague Stephen Brooks analogy. Um, right. So in order to really have that reach and that true understanding of that lived in experience. We absolutely need creators. They are our consultants. Uh, one thing we we really, or one program we really talk about often here is our creator ambassador program, which takes brands away from leveraging creators on a campaign-by-campaign basis. And really it's about establishing long-term connections and relationships with creators briefing them on that brand voice, elevating the trust so that they can then have this long-term effect on the brand. And that's really the best-in-class way um, to be able to connect with all of these niches and pockets of the zeitgeist and the conversation because it's absolutely impossible to be in every room at once. And what we found through this is we see brand favorability lift, we see uh, in metrics like brands like me lift uh, and, and we know that authenticity also continues to be elevated through it.
2: And I, I completely also agree, Jen, because like I, brands need to understand like this is the first layer of engagement of how even the brand partnerships with the creator really do reflect the real life situation with a customer. Right. Like you need to have the brand love there. You need to be in there more than once. Um, It's okay to try something, but when you really do see it over and over and over again, and you really do know a brand is working with a creator over and over again, like the audience does see that, like they cheer on their creator, but when the brand needs to benefit from the partnership, the long term, the long run is where you see it happening. And I'm so glad that you're highlighting that. And I have to mention, especially as we think about
0: uh, key moments and campaigns one of the, the biggest pitfalls that I still see all over uh, when it comes to multicultural marketing is tent polling. And what I mean by that is coming into the conversation when it's opportune, when it's Black History Month, when it's blank History Month. Let's talk about it, Jen. <laughs> and then just stepping out of the conversation, right? Um, consumers are smart, they see through. They see through it. Um, And so in order to have a truly engaging conversation that is authentic and not transactional, you need to be talking to them all year long. Like, I am Latina year round.
2: Hey, can we talk about that? Like Because, again, performative nature of brands is watched. Again, Gen Z is looking out. You marketers, they can tell they're pulling the receipts and they're so invested and committed to the daily practice of supporting brands that really do support, um, you know, minorities and marginalized groups and really are walking the talk. And so, yes, they are looking out for those things. So I'm so glad that you're highlighting that. Oh my gosh. Yes, we are here for for the long haul and not for when it's opportune. Live, live, live for these tips. Hey, hang tight, we're not going anywhere. Our Everything Is Better With Creators podcast will be right back after a word from our sponsors. I would love to know why should, in your in, in your words, Jen, I would love to know why should companies take diversity and inclusion into consideration? I think it's interesting because we often
0: talk about diversity and inclusion and multicultural marketing all in, in sort of a sandwich, right? But it's really important to tease out the, the different legs that this has and the different impacts and facets, right? First, there's that organizational facet. So of course, that's like very much about who's in seat. How are you keeping that pipeline? How are you making sure that your employees of diverse and underrepresented backgrounds are content and are going to continue to remain in your organization? Um, then there's the corporate social responsibility facet, which is a little bit different because that's about ensuring that there are approaches and, and things in place to address the systemic burdens that may n- or may not be within your organization, right? Um, and then third, I would say there's multicultural marketing. And now that is, is totally different to me because it's really just a fiscal imperative. It's, it's when we think about it, it's about making sure that your brand stays relevant and, and it's, it's just good business. So I think we have to, in order to do it right, tease these things out very separately.
2: Oh, so good! I I believe that. I mean, truly, I feel like it, it's 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 all such a full circle experience. Because when you do write, you know, when you do write by the culture and the community and follow the guidelines that you're saying, like the brands are going to be good. Like if you're doing good out in the world and making sure that everyone's represented and that you're serving everyone, then your bottom line is going to be good. That's how it should do it. And I'm loving that. You know, again that Gen Z really is holding everyone accountable and is like gui- is a guiding light through all this, even though I feel like there's been a longing for this for a very long time. There's just something about the right now and the accountability piece that's going on right now that we are really truly, I'm seeing like all of the effects of all the efforts that you're doing. And it's very, very exciting. To refer. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on the differences between niche versus community versus multiculturalism and how should brands really be strategically marketing to each of them?
0: You know, it's a bit of a Venn diagram, so I'm not surprised that they are they get conflated, right? Uh, but when you break them down, when you, you think about niches, they're hyper-specific bits of the zeitgeist. So they can be related to a trend or a moment in time. I consider them to be potentially ephemeral, not necessarily, but they could sort of zap away, right? Communities are more grounded. They're more permanent. They're something that you can belong to. They're connected to your identity. They're really, they're here for the long haul. And when we think about multiculturalism, it, it's a little bit of a catch-all word. It can mean intersectionality. And it's sort of an amalgam of all the cultures that fall outside of the, the majority.
2: Mm. I love that. I love that because it is tapping into also how people are consuming because they have niche interests. They have ones that are truly like deeply rooted into, into their identities. And then, of course, they want to see nuances and things that are about, you know, like you said, what makes them different as a minority um, and, and seeing all of those things reflected. That's so important. I'm loving that. I'm loving those definitions. It's like so much more clear. I think it, it is very easy to get it confused. And I think you like completely made that very simple. Let's get into some of the some of the communities that you love most. I would love to hear some of your insights around um, some of some of the communities that you see on on TikTok from a multicultural lens.
0: Well, you know, I am a little biased, but we have uh, two communities that we uh, curate and nurture, um, and they're Casa TikTok and Black TikTok. And these are creators who are just absolutely driving culture and and just making our platform really the heartbeat of culture. They're really the lifeblood of TikTok. And so uh, we have IRL events with these creators. We ensure that they get to know each other. Ultimately, I mean, the creators are also small businesses, right? So that they need to have resources and tools. We need to make sure that they are completely educated on how to make the most of everything that they're doing so they can continue doing it. Um, So again, Casa TikTok, Black TikTok, absolutely my favorite.
2: So good. And it makes me very excited because again, like that's why you and your team are magical unicorn angels because, you know, there is no MBA program for being a creator. They need as many tools and resources and community engagement as possible. So the fact that you were bringing them together, IRL, it's not just a a truly digital community, even though that it is, I'm glad that you're making all of those uh, pieces come together in real life and supporting them in that way. That is very, very exciting because again, creators need as much support as they can possibly get. So like incredible, I love hearing about this. One of my favorite questions on everything is better with creators because the landscape is so large and everyone's lens is different. I would love to hear your thoughts on the difference between a creator and an influencer.
0: Yeah. Um, this is an interesting one because we do get this question uh, a lot too. And so this isn't an official TikTok definition, but I personally believe that influencers are a type of creator, right? And and they're sort of like the first ones we saw sort of come up on, on our platforms um, when this social media thing that we thought was going to go away uh, started. So Influencers tend to produce content that's really based on their lifestyle, or at least like a facet of that lifestyle that they present out into the world. So that's just one one persona. Creators, on the other hand, they might be influencers, but their content can go beyond lifestyle. It like, can be like sketch comedy, like what what have you, um, and you might not even be aware of who the creator is, right? Because they are not necessarily at the forefront of that content. So, really, at TikTok, we empower the word creator, um, because it is more all encompassing. And it really emphasizes the fact that TikTok is not a highlight reel, right? It's real. It's raw. It's a place for unvarnished creativity.
2: Yes. Oh, I love that term, unvarnished creativity. It's so perfect. Oh my gosh. See, that's why I love that. why I always love to ask that question because everyone's lens is so great. And also I love the fact that you said that they're a type. I haven't heard anyone describe creator um, or influencer as a, as a genre or a type of creator. And I think that's a great way to look at it because it's so true. What do most folks say? I'm so curious. Um, some talk about the, you know, influencer being someone that is creating because they are aware of and very clearly aware of that, that their audience is watching how they go about their day-to-day life and also has more of a, a mindset that's driven around conversion Um, and people wanting to emulate or follow their their lifestyle or or take their recommendations. And so they, I have heard them described as like direct conversion drivers and ones that are ready to leverage their audience at any given moment, while a creator is um, also one that's motivated more so about their own personal interests and is less about being motivated by the like or the follow or the engagement, but they're creating from passion. I like to take the guest
0: and approach and just, you know, I am inclusive in nature. Yes,
2: you are. You are. You are. And I again, I think that you're giving a, a fresh take, a hot take, a fresh take on on how we look at the the lens of, of a creator because the creator landscape is so large. And there are some, I mean, and that, you know, if I want to buy something, if I'm ready to buy a summer dress, I have specific creators that I'm like, I know I'm gonna go and look and see what they're currently getting, so I can make decisions faster. And there's ones that I just want to be like, what in the world are they up to? It's like the Truman Show, you know. I'm just like, I'm just curious now. I don't, like again, they're they're not doing anything that is you know motivated by me me making action, but I just enjoy them as entertainment. And that's again, like the the landscape is just getting larger and larger, and it's so cool to watch.
0: There's room for all of us. Yes, there are. There is. Again, that's,
2: it's 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 like it's infinite. That's the great thing about the digital space is like there is, there is room because there is infinite space for everyone. I love it. I'm loving it. This is a utopia out here. <laughs> all right. So, Jen, curious because, you know, TikTok was so disruptive and truly changed the landscape. I would love to know what are you saying and if you had a crystal ball, like, how do you see the future of the creator economy and the power of creators going? Where are they headed?
0: Great choice of words, power of creators, because I really do think that they are harnessing more and more every day. When we think about how fragmented attention is, creators are going to be the conduits for that continuous conversation. Um, And so one facet that I've been thinking about a lot lately is the evolution of creators um, building their own brands, right? They're, they're inherently brands in and of themselves, but also how are they going to productize that brand equity? Like, are they going to have product lines? We're seeing, I mean, I think of Tink's is like the, the the example of what happened during the pandemic as TikTok really came to form. She's now got a podcast. She's now got a book. So seeing uh, the coming of age of these creators, uh, is something that I am, it's going to explode in the next three years or so.
2: Oh my gosh. I mean, you are like, that's the truth. Like, I mean, they are, they, they are diversifying their, their, their monetization tactics and they are brands. They are truly, truly, truly brands. And that's why, you know, again, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head for me. That's why, brands need to get them as, uh, as a part of their team because they are staunch, seasoned marketing gurus. They have, they are, and they are harnessing the power of it. You're seeing them leverage it. And boy, could they just share so much and add so much value to a team at any given moment um, to make anything that they're creating more powerful and more effective in that space. So I guess it's very exciting to see. I'm um, like, even Whaler's getting into that with Moby Ventures. So like, I, I believe that. And I'm glad that you're seeing it too. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's it's a really robust
0: economy, and I think a lot of these facets of it that are were seen as sort of ancillary uh, are becoming, um, you know, more at the center.
2: For sure, for sure. Oh my gosh, so much good, good, good wisdom and content and, and insight here that you're providing, Jen. Thank you so so much. I we love this part of the of the podcast called Sink, Sail, Swim, and it's really about where. Our guests get a chance to have like no right or wrong answer. We're just wanting to get your personal opinion on and hot take on things. And swim means, again, like what's working well with creator content wise and why? Um, I would love to know what is your hot take on that? I'm going to answer these questions from a personal vantage
0: point here. Um, But one sort of emerging trend, particularly for the multicultural side of things is really it's what I've started to call retroculturation. Um, but it's really creators who tap into um, a part of the heritage experience and and then bring it into the current time. So uh, Millennial Loteria is the, the example that that comes to mind. And he is uh, a Mexican-American who took this board game um, that, you know, his maybe his grandparents generation played. Right. Called Loteria Lottery. And then he completely changed the cards the lottery cards. It's very much like bingo. He changed the imagery and he made it millennial focused. And now he's got like so many subsets of it. Um, but interestingly, he's brought it to a whole other generation. And I think we're going to see more of that within the creator community. He, he sells his products, not just online, but now in store too. So the demand yeah. is there to connect with, um, with our roots.
2: I love that. I love that. You know, and it's funny too because like, we're, I, there's something I've been seeing. It's been for a while. It's not anything new, but it is like it's kind of like nostalgia. Like people want to have a touch in the past. A touch, but adding the multicultural layer of of things that were discussed from a cultural perspective in the past. Like again, like just another layer of richness added on top. I'm loving this. I mean, TikTok is about
0: discovery, and we talk about how we discover like things. Hashtag TikTok made me buy it, right? But it goes so far beyond that. Um, it really is, is a place for self-discovery too.
2: Oh, so good. I love it. And you know what? We're going to have to come back to that question, which is like, what's well, like the the funnest or like your most favorite thing that TikTok made you buy? Like we have to get back to that question. But okay, next up is sale. What is amazing that you're seeing are on the rise and why?
0: I do think brands are starting to see... The light when it comes to working with well with creators and really giving them the brief and letting them run with it. Um, I'm seeing that more and more. I can't call out names, but but uh, I think that we have some momentum there.
2: Yes, no more briefs. (laughs) That's the goal. That's the goal. Just like just throw this, just toss it over there, and just let it thrive and see what happens. That's where the magic happens. I love that. So let's talk about sync. And this is about what is not working. So tell me what is not working in the creator economy right now and why? I
0: talked about this earlier, but I can't talk about it enough. I think that we are still plagued by the tent poles. So we really have to think about not just moments in time, but really that continuous conversation in order to have authentic multicultural campaigns and communities be a part of our brands and our marketing plan. So I think that one might take a while, but I'm here for the long haul and I'm here for it.
2: We've got this. We've got this. I love that. I absolutely love that you're landing at it. That is worth the double down and discussion. So I'm so glad that you brought it back up again. And again, very wise, very wise tips. So again, truly final question. I feel like I've said that a thousand times with you just now, Jen, but so what is the wildest thing or your most favorite thing that TikTok made you buy?
0: You know, it's it's not so much wild as it is repetitive, but I just mentioned it a second ago. I, I um uh, I do endurance sports, so I, I started running marathons in the pandemic, and I cannot stop buying anything and everything related to to running. Uh, Bandit is probably my favorite brand right now, but that might change in a month. They're super inclusive. Their imagery just evokes like that sense of grit and like New York City vibes that that really hit home for me. And it's not something that, that I grew up with, um, and. None of the images uh, that they feature sort of have that that exclusive vibe to them. It's not just for like track athletes. It's for everyone who wants to put on a pair of shoes.
2: Oh, I love that. OK, you have to look look them up. I can't stop looking again. I'm a, And that's my problem. It's almost just like when you work at the mall. It's just like you would just end up shopping. Um, but that's me on social where I was like, someone help me, please. But now I got to go look that up because that sounds absolutely incredible. Got to see what's going on over there. But thank you so much, Jen, for being here. And congrats on all of the success and you doing the good work over there at, at TikTok on all of your multicultural initiatives. I am on the edge of my seat. I cannot wait to see what else you all
0: do next. I've so enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for having me on, Ashley.
2: Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Come back any time. I'll be in your inbox soon. You can count on it. <laughs> Everything is Better With Creators is honored to be a part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. And we are grateful for your support. If you enjoyed the show, hit that subscribe button. And if you have a moment, we'd appreciate a rating and review. up with all things whaler and the latest in the creator economy visit us at whaler.com and follow us on instagram twitter and linkedin this is ashley rudder signing off for now we'll catch you next time with another episode of everything is better with creators powered by whaler thanks for tuning in